This is Sean Hathaway. This is my podcast, Breakaway, where we talk about all things finance. And yes, politics and COVID actually relate to finance. So today I'm going to talk about briefly Netflix. I may issue some sort of apology. Um, and I'm going to talk about Twitter and this Senate hearing with Jack Dorsey that was hilarious yesterday. And then just some quick updates on, on politics, battle states, and COVID. Because that stuff's interesting, believe it or not. So first on Netflix, on one of the podcasts, my last podcast, I believe it was, I was a little dismissive of Cobra Kai. Ted Sarandos, their co-CEO in charge of content, said that he was really excited for Cobra Kai to come out. And I basically said something along the lines of they need to get more serious around content and having something to be more excited about than Cobra Kai. <laughs> now, look, I'd watched, I'd seen at least the first three or four episodes of Cobra Kai by that time. Since that um, since that podcast and since uh, Netflix earnings, I, I, we're probably up to like episode seven or eight as a family. And I have been laughing with my wife and kids really hard. And I just find the show super funny, super endearing, meaning I, I even found myself getting teary-eyed. It's about the karate kid who was David LaRusso and then Johnny Lawrence, who was his arch nemesis in the first movie. And basically, fast forward to literally like however many years it's been, and it's the same actors. And Johnny Lawrence is super down on his luck, driving some like Trans Am or something or other from the 80s. Dave LaRusso's just killing it, selling cars and owns multiple dealerships. It is a great movie. And it's funny because now Johnny LaRusso or, or Johnny Lawrence has opened a, his own uh, dojo and he's like, strike first, strike hard, no mercy, which was the Cobra Kai motto back then. And uh, the, the show's edgy and, and funny and I, I would highly recommend it. So I'll just leave it at that. I would say though to Netflix, I would like to see them setting more audacious and bold goals. So Reed said something that kind of annoyed me last um, call that, hey, in Q1 or in 2021, we should get used to getting back to normal demand levels of in the 20 million range. And why does that have to be 20, meaning 20 million plus subscribers per year? Why does that have to be normal? And why do we have to get used to it? Because I'm not. I actually want to see 30, 40, 50 million. And I want to see Netflix get to 500 million subs in the next four years. And maybe they have to drop price, but and, and, and do some things like bring on sports or get aggressive in some of these foreign countries. But I don't want us to get back to normal of these 200. And why? It just, it's just arbitrary that that's, that that's normal for them. So get more aggressive, Netflix. Come on. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. That's, that's, that should be, maybe they need to take, take, a, take a page out of the notebook of Johnny Lawrence here in his dojo. So... Moving on off of Netflix and onto Twitter. So quick background on Twitter. We all know what Twitter is, so I'm not going to explain that. They're a $40 billion company, so pretty big. Jack Dorsey is their CEO. He's also the CEO of Square. He's kind of been accused of being a little too hands-off. He's kind of hippie. Uh, he talks about, you know, he's done like two-week pursuits of, of, uh, of um, meditation where he's completely alone. And, and it kind of showed a little bit in his, in his physical physique. 
And, you know, some people are saying he, I, I thought, I immediately when I saw him, I'm thinking Gandalf or Lord of the Rings type of person. Um, some people made, said he looked like, oh, let me back up what I'm talking about. So there was a, a Senate hearing yesterday, um, Wednesday, and they're basically interviewing the CEOs of Google, Facebook, and Twitter. And the intent was supposed to be around uh, Section 230, and whether and that that's a law that says that these internet intermediaries that upload user content don't have to uh, be responsible for the generally don't have to be responsible for the content, um, and and whether that content itself is, is lawful, if you will. Anyway, that's too complicated. Let's not go there. The funny thing though was them grilling. Jack Dorsey around Twitter, Twitter and whether they're censoring information lately. So there was a great, and, and I'm going to play it for you, there was a great back and forth with Ted Cruz, who's the senator from Texas, and Jack Dorsey, the CEO. Going back to Jack Dorsey on the video here, he, he kind of looked like, uh, like I said, Gandalf. Some people said Osama bin Laden. I think that's mean. My first reaction, though, was, oh, this, it's like more of a Luke Skywalker, kind of like the new Luke Skywalker when they found him, you know, on that island or that planet all by himself there. Um, so kind of this wise, old, um, raggedy, hadn't shaved in a long time Luke Skywalker. I think that's kind of what I thought Jack Dorsey was. So I'll play you the clip just to set up the background here. There is a big kind of corruption story that came out a couple weeks ago. The New York Post broke the story about Hunter Biden, and who's the son of Joe Biden, who's a presidential candidate, and how they are working to use their influence in Washington, Joe Biden's influence when he was vice president, to broker deals with foreign governments, including China, to basically make them and their family a lot of money. That's kind of the gist of it. It's actually really complicated and kind of hard to understand, but all of this information was found on a laptop <clears throat> that Hunter Biden had apparently turned into some laptop repair store, and then he never went and picked it up. And so then the laptop owner got all, or the laptop repairman got all curious and looked inside, found all this damning information and turned it over to the FBI, and somehow it eventually made its way to the press. And the New York Post wrote this, big expose on it. It's it's pretty clear. I mean, there's a lot of like hard evidence and, and text messages and emails that basically prove that Biden's were involved in, in a, a big corruption and, and probably broke all kinds of laws. Now, by the way, I think every, um, almost every single politician has probably broken all sorts of laws and definitely all of them have lied perpetually. So I'm not passing judgment here. I'm just saying it is what it is. But um, what happened is the New York Post tweeted the story out and then and then Twitter uh, basically suppressed it. They basically shut down the New York Post's um, account. And then when other people went to tweet that, the tweet wasn't available. You couldn't find the story. And the reason this is significant is because it's the New York Post, which is which is the fourth like highest circulated paper in the U.S. I actually looked it up. It's USA Today is number one. Wall Street Journal is number two. New York Times, number three. New York Post, number four. So when Twitter starts suppressing stories from publications like that, it becomes a big deal. So this is uh, Senator Ted Cruz asking um, you know, why and how it got um, suppressed. And you'll hear Jack Dorsey kind of talk about how they have a policy around 
if information is from a, is hacked, like obtained illegally, then it, then they suppress these stories. But anyhow, judge for why did Twitter make the decision to censor the New York Post? Uh, we had a hack materials policy um, that we. When was that policy adopted? Uh, in 2018, I believe. In 2018, go ahead. What was what, what was the policy? So the policy is around um, limiting the spread of materials uh, that are hacked. Um, we didn't want Twitter to be a distributor for hacked materials. Um, we found that the New York Post, because it showed the direct materials, screenshots of the direct materials, and it was unclear how those were attained, that it felt that it fell under this policy. Now, so in your view, if it's unclear the source of, uh, of a document, and in this instance, the New York Post documented what it said the source was, which it said it was a, uh, a laptop owned by Hunter Biden that had been turned into a re re repair store. So they weren't hiding what they claimed to be the source. Is it, is it your position that Twitter, when you can't tell the source, blocks, blocks press stories? No, not at all. Um, we, our, our team made a fast decision. Uh, the enforcement action, however, of blocking URLs, both in tweets and uh, in DM, in direct messages, we believe was incorrect, and we changed it. Today, right now, the New York Post is still blocked from tweeting two weeks later. Yes, they have to log into their account, which they can do at this minute, delete the original tweet, which fell under our original enforcement actions. And they can tweet the exact same material from the exact same article, and it would go through. So, Mr. Dorsey, your ability is you have the power to force a media out. And let's be clear. The New York Post isn't just some random guy tweeting. The New York Post has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in America. The New York Post is over 200 years old. The New York Post was founded by Alexander Hamilton. And your position is that, that you can sit in Silicon Valley and demand of the media that you can tell them what stories they can publish, and you can tell the American people what reporting they can hear. Is that right? No. This was, this was a, you know, every person, every account, uh, every uh, organization. Okay, so <clears throat> I think Jack Dorsey is taking Dramamine or something that really, really calms you down. Because I don't know how you stay so calm. I think they all are, actually, if you ever watch these things. Because these guys stay so calm, and they get yelled at so much by these senators. It's actually, like, total comedy. So a couple of things he said is, is these are hack materials. And, and Jack Dorsey, my team, made a fast decision to pull it down. It, it was good. He came out, though, and he said it was the incorrect decision, and they've switched it. <laughs> and, then, and then the funniest part is, is they switched their decision. But in order for, you know, the New York Post to to um, be able to retweet, they need to they need to log out of their account, re-log in, and then they can uh, <laughs> can retweet. You know, like it's just it's just so funny. It sounds like to me that that Twitter's probably got some sort of um, you know service ticket in place for their engineering team to say, hey, when we like um, check a tweet and say it's okay, or, or 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 say the account's okay to tweet again, maybe don't make that user log off and then log back on. You know, just saying. Um, <laughs> so, and then the funniest thing too was, uh, you know, I didn't know this, but Alexander Hamilton founded the New York Post. Oh my gosh, is he the guy like, it's like super, super famous because of all the, all the plays? The rapping? The rapper, Alexander Hamilton, the rapper. So anyhow, so they must be, it must be like the most, 
prestigious uh, newspaper and everything they say is sealed with the golden truth. Okay, one more, one more uh, rant from Ted Cruz. Not that I enjoy listening to him yell at Jack, at Jack Dorsey. It's kind of funny, though. But he does make a good point about who, who decides what we get to uh, listen to and, and, and hear or watch and believe. Just listen. Anyone can tweet so the Twitter or takes or the view. You can censor the New York Post. You can censor Politico. Presumably, you can censor the New York Times or any other media outlet. Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear? And why do you persist in behaving as a Democratic super PAC, silencing views to the contrary of your political beliefs? Let, let's give uh, Mr. Dorsey. Hell elected you, Jack Dorsey. Yeah. Well, I guess if you can grow a social media company to hundreds of millions of followers and, and billions of dollars of market cap, you get to elect yourself. It is interesting, though, how Silicon Valley is has so much influence over the social conversation by, by way of... Twitter, which we've talked about, Google, and I could spend hours talking about YouTube suppression of information as well, um, Google search, and Facebook. All good stuff, all interesting stuff. Uh, it'll be fun to see how legislators, I, I, I think they're going to be breaking up these companies over the next four years, regardless of, of who's in the administration in some way. I don't think they can break up Twitter, but they're gonna there's gonna be some regulation there for sure. All right. So that was fun. Moving on to COVID and politics. So oh and the Dodgers. Congratulations the Dodgers for winning the national or you know world championship. It is the world championship because no other countries really play baseball um, at the level we do. And plus we're just the coolest, biggest country, so it's the world championship. And I think it was 32 years since they won. That was pretty cool. Of course, everybody went nuts in the media yesterday when they found out. I didn't even realize it during the game. I was watching the game that um, Justin Turner wasn't in. Now, he's one of their best players. And he's the guy who kind of looks like a Viking. He's got the big red beard. Power hitter. He's their third hitter in the lineup. He generally plays third base or I think shortstop sometimes. But uh, apparently he was, like, notified in the seventh inning that he'd tested positive. So there, he had an inconclusive test earlier in the day, and then he took, like, another emergency test, and they got the result. Can you imagine? They get the results back. World Series, Game 6. They're about to win the first time in 32 years. They've choked many seasons, uh, many times before this. He gets this phone call in the dugout. Dude, you've got COVID, man. Get out of there. Like, come on. You can't play the last two innings. So anyway, so he has to leave the dugout, and he can't play the last two innings. Boom, Dodgers win the World Series two innings later. He comes running out, you know, with his mask kind of hanging on, Ben takes his mask off, kisses his wife, gets in the photo op for, for um, you know, people are going nutso on social media. And I don't know which way to lean on this. I kind of agree, like, okay, dude, you know you've got COVID, like, at least wear a mask out there. But also, it's kind of like you're with, he was with the players in the dugout, with the players all day long, the day before, he's in the dugout. Probably half the team has COVID by now. Um, so I, I guess I guess we'll see kind of kind of kind of what happens there. But um, uh, congratulations to the Dodgers. 
And then in general, COVID is kind of cases seem to be rising throughout the United States. I don't know if that's the winter time or if it's just the press or uh, probably a little bit of combination of both. But um, it also affected sports in another way, and that is the Big Ten football. Now, I wrote a very extensive article um, about how football could affect the election. And there are uh, two, there are five major conferences, and two of those conferences decided not to play. And that was Big Ten football and Pac 12 football. Pac 12 is the West Coast, Big Ten is kind of the, the Midwest. And it was interesting because most, a lot of those states are, are, are blue. Uh, states, Democratic strongholds, at least in the West, in the Pac-12 for sure. Big Ten's kind of mixed, though, and a lot of those states in, in the Big Ten that represent those schools are actually like battleground states. So think Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Those are three of the biggest battleground states that exist, and they're all, um, they all house Big Ten schools. So big news this was so the Big Ten basically waited to the last minute, decided they're going to play. Now they're starting late. Their first games are this weekend, and now they've already... Um, or I take that back. They actually played last weekend. Um, yeah, they started last weekend. I know that because I watched the Ohio State game. Ohio State looks good, by the way. So, so now though, uh, uh, who is going to play? So Wisconsin is going to play Nebraska on Saturday, and Wisconsin has said I think twelve, six players, six staff, you know, something along those numbers have tested positive, and so. And before that, like their quarterback had tested positive, and they've got these absurd rules in place too in the in the Big Ten. I say absurd again; that's my opinion jumping in here. But where if you test positive or a player tests positive, they have to quarantine for 21 days. Now, where did they get 21 days from? I I, I have no idea, but it sounds like a lot to me. Uh, I think President Trump quarantined for like four, but you know he's Trump, so. If you get sick, you're basically you're, you're you're screwed. You're out for three games at 21 days. So they have to cancel now the Wisconsin game because I think they have another rule: five percent of your players are, are, have COVID. You got to cancel. Clearly, they've got a COVID issue in Wisconsin. So now Wisconsin's not going to play Nebraska. Now they only had seven games scheduled, so they're going to miss one for sure. That takes them down to six. It's basically kind of like the, the Big Ten. They've started so late now. They have no. They built in no buffer, no bye weeks. Are they really going to be able to be eligible for a for bowl game? If Ohio State doesn't play all seven and they only play six games, are they really going to let them go in and play an SEC team or an ACC team um, that, that's played you know nine or ten games? I just don't know. So anyhow, um, the oh the other thing I wanted to mention on on the Big Ten schools and the battleground states and how this actually ties into politics is and, and something I I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but Michigan, Trump won Michigan by the tiniest one of the tiniest margins maybe in the history of Michigan. He won by ten thousand votes. And the way I was thinking about this is Michigan Stadium, where the Wolverines play, holds a hundred thousand fans. So Think about that. Carve that. Just take one-tenth of that stadium, 10% of that stadium, and that's what decided the vote in Michigan that Trump won. And he won Pennsylvania by 44,000 votes. Again, super, super small margin, less than 1%. And Wisconsin now, 
the school that we're talking about, he won by, I don't know, 22, 23,000 votes. Again, less than 1%. We're talking about all these votes are far less than the capacity of a football stadium. So, again, I kind of think that some of the election here is going to hinge on whether on it could come down to some football fans and, and them deciding who they blame for their not being football, for the lack of football. Do they blame Trump because he failed to contain the virus? Or do they blame Biden and the Democrats for shutting society down and not allowing football to be played? Interesting stuff. Okay, I think that concludes everything I was going to talk about on this one. Uh, I've got some great earnings coming out today, so hopefully I'll have some updates uh, tomorrow or early next week on some more stuff. Have a great weekend if I don't chat again uh, and uh, watch some watch some Big Ten football and college football this weekend. See y'all. Thanks. Bye.